Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. One hundred and five in Edmonton. Hour number two of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer in studio. Uh, second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Hugh Porter. Hugh Porter would like nothing more to see Tyson Berry end up as an Edmonton Oiler one day. Uh, Digitex, buy or lease your next office network printer from the Digitex.ca e-commerce store. No need to spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. You're all in one convenient location, Digitex.ca. We're going to get right to it. We got uh, Morley Scott coming up out of Winnipeg to preview tonight's Eskimo game. Uh, But for the last time this season, and what an ad he has been, the spike in our numbers on Thursdays, um, in large part because of our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication and solar. Uh, We welcome back a guy who ducked me all last weekend in Vancouver. Longtime NHL executive now with NHL Hockey and Rogers, Brian Burke. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? Hey, Bob. How are you? You did a real good job making sure you never had to see me. <laughs> I didn't duck you. I was stuck working. I know. I know. You were you were grinding. Yeah. How did you How did you find like How did you find that experience? You know, given the fact that you'd been the GM in Vancouver before, you're you know obviously an immensely uh, popular figure there, uh, controversial figure, and of course you were the guy that landed the two Sedins, and they honored the Sedins to open up the draft. How was the whole weekend for you personally? Well, it was great. I loved the draft. I did a draft years ago for the other guys in town, and yeah. this is my second one for Sportsnet, and I love the draft. So I do the first three rounds of the playoffs, and then they hook me to the side, and I go to the combine and start working for the draft. And uh, I really, really enjoy it. So uh, it was great watching the, the – I, I taped a feature with the Twins, and um, – Watching them up on the stage, they're great kids, they had great careers, so it was a fun weekend. Uh, it was interesting because everybody said the draft started at 3, and there's the obvious Edmonton area connection, Kirby Dock. And the thing that struck me when we were in Buffalo uh, was he almost had, and I said this on the show the other day, like a, 
almost like a regal air, like he was so composed and he's you know he's a good looking kid and well spoken but he was not about himself you know and he was um, effusive in the praise of his team like he, he you know what I mean like he really did a terrific job in that end of it and you have to think that from Chicago's perspective besides his obvious on ice abilities did just the composure and the way he handled himself probably played a factor in him ending up going third yeah, I know that they were really they they battled over. This was a draft with clear number one and clear number two, and then after that, some really tough decisions. And um, I know they really liked him right from the get go. His maturity and his, uh, as you mentioned, the polish on the kid. Uh, you think you're talking to a 24 year old, not an 18 year old. So he did a real good job. He he, he pulled it off nicely. Yeah, uh, is that is that a tricky situation not to factor that? You know what I mean? Because, I mean, you've told stories in the past. You've had guys that were difficult interviews or awkward interviews. Uh, how, like, can you get kind of uh, seduced the other way? Yeah, you can. But I, all these kids, Doc and uh, Byram, they, they were all really good interviews, really polished kids. Uh, they're all going to play. I think a lot of them are going to play right away. Uh, one GM told me he thinks six to eight kids will play next year, which is a, a very high number. But uh, I think at that point, if you're in a dead heat, you're, you're going to draft positionally. So they must have felt that Doc was a better choice or a better need for them. Um, because if it was a dead heat, they would have taken the defenseman. I'm thinking on Colorado, who, who don't need a young defenseman, they took the defenseman. Because that's what you do. You take the best player on the board. It's funny. Uh, yeah, and it's, uh, you know, Colin Priestner is the uh, owner slash GM of the Blades. He's looking at this. He's, he listens to our show, Brian. He's just... He's got to be thinking, I'm not sure I'm going to get Kirby back right now. Now, Barkley Pernet out in Vancouver, uh, there is a chance Byram uh, does end up going back. Um, just, I just want to ask you about Joe Sackick because, you know, when he got moved into that role, uh, that's an eight, eight to me, an eight, he made so much money during his career, right? And there is a relentlessness. You, you've been in that chair a multitude of times. Like, it is a nonstop job, right, being the general manager of an NHL team. Like, it is, and he's sitting there, he's got his own family and his own kids playing hockey. I got to tell you, I'm surprised how good he's been. I shouldn't have underestimated him, but you look at how they did in that trade for Matt Duchesne and the haul they got. And I realize Billington helped out, and maybe Chris McFarland helped out there. But it's, it's pretty impressive how far Colorado's come as an organization the last couple of years, and Sackett's got to get a lot of credit for that. Yeah, and that's a, that's a problem with, with some of these guys that made so much money, they don't really want to stay in the game, and we're fortunate that Joe has stayed in the game. And he has done a good job there. That's a really good young team. They're they're not going anywhere. They're going to be a factor for years to come. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Of, I mean, there was no surprise Edmonton took Broberg at eight. What were your thoughts on that pick? Well, he's the best forward skating defenseman in the draft. I mean, um, I think there were teams that were debating between him and Shooterstrom because Shooterstrom played in the men's league and played well, but he's quite a bit smaller. But Broberg on a straight line, he's the fastest forward skating defenseman. He's a one-man breakout. Yeah. I thought it was a great pick. I think he's going to play. And I don't know about right away because 
all of the defensemen take a little bit longer, so I could see them all going back. But I could see him making their team too. Yeah, well, it's 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 going to be interesting. I mean, he's Shalaftia's got him uh, in Sweden, and then Steve Stalesons is right in Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton did make two picks in the uh, European import draft today, but they still retain the rights and they have their option moving forward. There, Raphael Lavoie fell into the second round. Um, when you have a guy that's a projected mid to late first rounder and he falls, in the, is it sometimes good to get players like that because there's a different type of hunger and there's a little bit of, you know, for lack of a better term, screw you, I'm going to prove everybody wrong? Well, I think so. When I asked this kid in my interview with him, I said, if I draft you, if I was a GM again, I draft you, what are you going to do for me? And he said, win. One word answer. Um, I thought his interview, he came off as a quiet, uh, shy kid. But, uh, you know, he's, he's got great hands. I think the knock and the reason he slipped so much is his first three steps just aren't good enough yet. Yeah. But if there's one skill a player can improve more than any other skill, it's generally skating. And so they might have really stolen a guy here that ended up scoring a pile of goals. Let's hope so for the Oilers' case, because the bottom line is Edmonton's had some really good first-round picks that have, you know, I mean, obviously Hall was a good pick, Nugent Hopkins was a good pick, Drysaddle a stellar pick, McDavid they just lucked out on. But they missed so many second- and third-rounders. And, Brian, that's, I mean, between 2009 and 2014, it was just uh, for Edmonton. And that was part of the challenge that Pete Shirelli had when he came here. There was yeah. very little in the cupboards. And now it's starting to get to a different place. The organization's got a lot healthier perspective moving forward than they did, say, four years ago. I think that's true. I think that's an accurate statement, and I think they're pretty excited about where they're going. We're joined by Brian Burke. Brian, uh, right now, th- this is a different... How how much have things changed with this early courting period for UFAs, and perhaps more importantly, the courting period with RFAs? And we mentioned this because you were once an agent yourself, so you've been on the other end of it. It's got to be a brave new world out there, doesn't it? Well, I was an agent a long time ago. I mean, I got out of that business in 87, so I wasn't around for any of this. Okay. Um, and I know when the league approved the CBA, it, it, to me it's just legalized tampering, and, and I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand why we would not leave teams and give them their best chance to re-sign their own players till they actually physically become free agents on July 1st. I think the NHL does 99% of what they do, they do extremely well. But I'm baffled by the 1%, and this is on that 1% rule, which is, this is the, they're not supposed to be making offers, but agents are telling me that they've gotten offers and, uh, you know, actual numbers, and it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Give teams the best chance they have to re-sign their own guys till July 1. Yeah. And then let, let, let the free-for-all start. But this is a pretty... Uh, interesting RFA time, isn't it? When you look at, obviously, Mitch Marner is the primary focus in Toronto. I don't even think he's the best RFA out there. I look at Braden Point and Sebastian Ajo and say that they might, you know, uh, be better players, and that doesn't include a guy like Patrick Laine or Charlie McAvoy on defense. It's a com- It has changed. Boom, now they're getting, you know, I mean, if you're Ajo, you're looking for eight times eight and a half minimum. Yeah, it changed with the Nylander contract, and it's changed with the dynamic that some of these younger players are actually in the top two or three on their team. Ajo, you know, you can argue, I think the defense there is pretty special, but you can argue Ajo's in their top three best players. And that's that's a different dynamic. But I, I I I foresee lots of action on July 1st in terms of signing UFAs. 
the RFAs, I, I, I can't see how this wouldn't be a slow play if I were representing those players. Because if you're hoping for an offer sheet, you can slow play it till they sign up more and more players and eat away at their cap room. That being said, I would make a kid pay for that. If a, if a kid made me wait and said, I'm going to wait and see if I got an offer sheet and then didn't, I'd take money off the table. Tom Dundon is a unique guy in Carolina. Uh, you know, everything from the attire that he jumped up on stage with to how he worked uh, the room during the course of Friday night and Saturday day. I mean, if you, all you had to do is, and we're, we're one row up on uh, on the floor, and you could see him. You know, at one point he had Dubas and uh, Shanahan for eight to ten minutes, and he was doing all the talking. Um, what do you think's like... You know, we're hearing reports that he doesn't want to go above, say, six, six and a half, seven million per an Ajo. Can he, you know, does he have to play ball a bit when you look at the comparatives around the league for those type of players? Well, I think in that case, if that's the number he's talking, then he then he might be looking at an offer sheet for sure. Um, I'm not a fan of the way he does things, and... Uh, uh, if that's the number he thinks is coming in, I think that's a low number unless it's a bridge deal, unless it's just only a couple of years. But uh, I think he'd put himself at risk there if he's talking that kind of bread. I think it's, uh, it's going to be north of there. I do think one team is going to hold the line and say, no, we're not paying. We haven't achieved anything as a team. We're not going to pay. Nylander contract's an outlier. Um, I do think one team's going to hold the line successfully. I don't know which one it is. I'd bet on Winnipeg. But uh, I do think one team's going to say uh, Nylander's an outlier. And if there's no offer sheets, there's no reason we have to go into the eight-plus range. So we're going to stick around here. So I think one team will pull it off. I don't know which one. So Winnipeg's got both Patrick Laine and Kyle Connor. We're joined by Brian Burke. Brian, uh, UFA-wise, here's part of my frustration. And I wrote about this in the Edmonton Sun back in 2007 because in that year, Edmonton contributed to revenue sharing, which they've done multiple times since 0506, uh, since we got back at it. But St. Louis went and stepped up and got Korea in free agency. And then Nylander, uh, which worked out to Edmonton's advantage, Nylander ultimately picked uh, Washington over Edmonton. Um, but one of, my, one of my frustrations is seven of the, you know, most years, six or seven of the Canadian, for sure five of the Canadian teams, and some years as many as six or seven have contributed to uh, revenue sharing in the league. But I don't think the Canadian teams are necessarily in an advantageous position in free agency. Do you agree or disagree with that perspective? They're absolutely not in a favorable position. The, uh, you go back to the Toronto Maple Leafs tried to sign Steven Stamkos. He took 8.5 U.S. to stay in Tampa, which they calculated was the equivalent of 10 million U.S. in, in Toronto because of the taxes. Yeah. Now, I didn't do the calculation, but that's what the agent said. That there's, a, there's a disparity. Uh, it's hard, and, and the way Canadian teams sign free agents is they overpay. They pay more than their U.S. counterparts. It's a big problem. Um, the revenue-sharing part of it I don't view as a factor, because I've had people say it's not fair that Edmonton writes a big check into the revenue-sharing package, which they do, uh, and then some of that money is spent signing their own players away. Well, that's how it works. So the, right. when, the league, when the league and the Players Association agreed to a salary cap, the players, I think, quite sensibly said, well, if we're, you're going to cap what we earn, then you've got to do some revenue redistribution among the big markets and small markets. I think yeah. it's a 
you know, it's what's saving Carolina and Florida through tough years. Is they got 25 million U.S. each last year. Yeah. They got 25 million U.S. Uh, you know what I think they should do with the TV money, Brian? I'm serious about this. The seven Canadian teams get the Rogers money, and the uh, 24 U.S. teams, they get the NBC money for the Nationals. Yeah, good luck with that one. Yeah. And you know what? If the U.S. grows to the point where their national deal doubles or triples the Canadian uh, deal, then they can still keep the money. But that's how I think it should work. Well, I think each each team last year, the the check, so you get a $25 million check if you're one of the lowest revenue teams. So right. I think there's four teams that qualify for the maximum. And then the league distribution last year for television rights and licensing and different things, I think, and you know the the major league BAM money. Yeah. I think it was fourteen million a team. Now I'm no longer privy to that, but someone told me it was fourteen million a team. So with Carolina and Florida, you're starting out with thirty nine million dollars of house money, and it does give you a chance to feel the competitive team, and it does give you a chance to win. And it makes you know the owner might lose five million, but he's not losing thirty five. So I think the current system really works. It's produced parity. Um, I really think this collective bargaining agreement works. I sincerely hope that the league and the Players Association find a way to extend this deal without a work stoppage. I just don't see issues worth shutting down the league for. I just don't. Well, John Shannon, as you know, who's always been piped in close to Batman, he's been a believer that we're not going to have a work stoppage moving forward. Uh, as am I. All right. Well, that's two guys that have got the connectivity, uh, having that perspective. Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack. Brian, I'm going to ask you a tough one about a former player of yours, Corey Perry. Well, I, was a, I know Bob Murray said it was one of the worst days of his, of his career. Yeah. Um, this is a warrior. The reason he's all banged up is because he played the right way. This guy played hard the whole time. There's lots of clicks on that odometer. Uh, the good news for Corey is he's getting a pile of money over the next four years, and he can still go somewhere and play and fit in. And a cap challenge team can fit him in at the league minimum, and he's still making four or five million dollars a year with the buyout money. So I think it's a good position for Corey. I think it was a sad day when you have a guy who's been a duck for that long and been such a prolific scorer and he's got a ring and he's a great kid but I think it's exciting for him too now to go somewhere else and play before he ends his career now everyone's like well you know maybe Dallas or wherever I'm going to throw a curveball should Edmonton be in the mix on Corey Perry on a one year deal I think every team in the league that doesn't have a top 10 power play should be in the mix his skating has suffered he's not mobile anymore um, but he's still greasy he's still mean and he's still got good hands so I think on a power play, if you look at what Alex Chason did in, in Edmonton, um, just from a power play perspective, I think he's worth 20, 25 goals. So I think every team that needs power play help should be taking a close look at him. Were you that surprised that P.K. Subban got traded? No, no, not at all. There, was, there, were lots of, there were several teams in on that. He's a good player and he's a good guy. He wears teammates out. But he's a good player and he's a good guy. There were a bunch of teams in on that one, trust me. Yeah. Uh, New Jersey had all that cap space and perhaps a further enticement to uh, keep Taylor Hall, uh, you know, in the fold, signing an extension as well. Yeah, and I don't know if those two get along or not. I haven't asked anyone about that. But that's, uh, you know, you got a, a right shot defense that is well over 200 pounds and can shoot the puck and skate. He's a good player. And people turn on him a little bit because he's kind of flashy. Yeah. His reputation is that he does wear on teammates, which is true. But he's a good person, 
And he's a good hockey player. I just the one thing that shocked me is that Nashville moved all the money. I thought New Jersey would be able to make that deal with the assets they set back and and get Nashville to eat two million or three million bucks worth of the nine. Yeah, well, and maybe that's how I uh, obviously the Preds took the deal. Brian, uh, you've been a terrific ad for us. Uh, you know, uh, we're we're gonna send our uh, agent in to uh, see if we can uh, do a contract extension at some point moving forward this summer. Have a great summer, okay? I've enjoyed it very much, Bob, and the people in uh, northern Alberta that tune in. It's been a pleasure, and I hope uh, I hope I've entertained you a little bit, and I look forward to resuming in the fall. All right, great stuff. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thank you. Yep, that is Brian Burke. Brian Burke's appearances over the course of the last nine months here on Oilers Now have been brought to you by Canadian Power Pack. Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. It is 124 at Edmonton. We'll take a time out. And this is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. You know, I'm not going to date myself here, but you can do the math. I have been listening to Brian Hall since I was six. That's 47 years. He's repped a lot of different companies in his time. Pillows. Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> wow. What a beauty. Uh, you can text us at 630-630 at our Heartland Vortex. Hey, I lost the Heartland Vortex line. It just went down. It literally just went down as we spoke. Uh, okay, you can text us at 630-630. Do whatever you can do, Bob, from Craig to get uh, Brian Burke back on board next fall. He's got a unique perspective, and I love his truculence. Yes, indeed. Uh, another text coming in out of Edmonton. It's uh, McGee here. You better do everything you can do to get Louie and especially Berkey back in the fall. Your Thursdays kill it. Well, thank you very much. And more text. This one out of Grand Prairie. Is anybody getting this? Gary will spend Canadian money to keep brutal American teams alive. Canada hasn't got a cup in how long? Bettman doesn't want a cup finals with a Canadian team, period. Because it doesn't grow the league. Neither does adding another Canadian team. Winning cups in U.S. brings more light to the NHL. So how on earth with uh, watching the refs mess over Canadian teams and not get more media? All right. Well, um, I don't know. There was a time that Gary Bettman battled pretty hard for the Edmontons, the Calgarys, the Ottawas of the world. But $3 million in the Canadian assistance program. $3 million. That's what each of those teams got. What did he say the American team, the, the lower echelon American teams are getting? $25 million. Off to a global news weather traffic update. Eileen Bell. When we come back, Morley Scott out of Winnipeg for a preview of tonight's Eskimos encounter. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.